Hey guys, welcome back to the CWS247 podcast. You might be listening to us for the last time before we have the national champion as we are now down to two. Vanderbilt and Mississippi State will battle it out for the for the crown. You can say, oh, maybe Vandy shouldn't be here and whatnot. We'll get into that. But we're pretty excited to see. I don't think it's much of a secret that we're pretty excited to see Mississippi State here in the national championship series. Those guys have been you guys, you fans have been great to us. Uh, I'm sure Vandy fans contribute to that too, but Mississippi State fans are obviously huge fans of the program, and we're pretty excited to see you guys in the national championship. I am, of course, joined by Mitch and Reggie as well, and I will let them uh, go over their personal lives for a few seconds now. Mitch, do you want me to go first? I don't really have much to say, so sure. Okay. Um I have a pounding headache. This is the Michael Jordan flu game. This is the Reggie Wartman flu game, flu pod, I guess you could say. Loving life, loving every second of it. Every day I live is another day I realize that the NCAA are a bunch of crooked, no good fucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Hi, I'm also here. Uh, yeah, that's really all I got to say. Uh, yeah, let's let's get to talking about some more baseball. Credit Reggie for showing up to today's uh, studio with a a flu. Uh, obviously, the only one affiliated with college baseball to be sick this week. So hopefully, Reggie gets over that soon. Wow, you guys really didn't like that one, huh? <laughs> I I don't know what to say. I was actually thinking about uh, uh, Coach Avent said that at the beginning of the week when all the NC State players got sick that they caught a bug, and I think I have caught a uh, bug. Whoa. I was at two of the NC State games this week, so credit me for COVID. <laughs> they gave, the Wolfpack gave me COVID, folks. Yep. well, by uh, the transitive property, I think you are a national champion now. Oh, See, I can put that on a resume. Uh, Mitch, what are you drinking tonight? Just water, nothing exciting. Pretty bland. Mm. All right. Well, I can tell you I've been pounding the drinks ever since I clicked on to Ticketmaster this morning. So it's going to take me two more. To, more I, don't, I don't know how to say the word. I don't know why I walked into saying that word. I don't know how to say M-O-R-T-G-A-G-E-S. I can't say it. I'm not going to. Mortgage. Mortgage. Yeah, good luck. I, I say the T. I can't just skip over the T. M- mortgage. That's how I say it. I'm not going to say the G. Mortgage. Yeah, you can't give me a say both. Mortgage. Works. Anyway, I would have to take out two massive loans of some kind to attend a national championship game, which is a real shame. But uh, I'm glad that somewhere out there, you people are spending the money to keep the market this way. So congratulations on getting it to go to the national championship, but it really should not cost you guys this much money. Uh, Reggie, what's the cheapest you've seen tickets today? Well, the cheapest, I'm actually looking on the Ticketmaster app right now, and the cheapest with fees is $292 in section 132, which is right center field, row 24. Those are bleacher seat folks. Um, this afternoon, there were they were selling tickets, resale tickets in section three twenty three for twenty three hundred dollars, including <laughs> fees. 
which is the biggest goddamn joke I've ever seen in my life. People don't understand like buying these tickets means GA will not be a thing in the next coming in like the next, maybe even next year. Like I know Noah hates GA, but I mean, there's not a lot of other events where you can pay $10 and watch a national championship. And that's mm-hmm. that I feel like that's the way it should be. We we've been going to pick central all week because the barstool guys are in town and Brandon Walker had an excellent point. He said that the college world series had a different feel to it just because the, the final fourth college football playoff all had a suit and tie feel as in, you know, only the elite people, only the rich people get to go to that the college world series is like drinking a beer on your back porch. And these prices <laughs> like do not, do not exemplify that at all. Uh, they are going down. The The same ticket that I saw for 2300 bucks today is now 932 wow. at 12.20 a.m. on Monday. So a uh, 12-hour difference. The price drops $1,400, but you're still paying $1,000 to go to a uh, College World Series game that last year you could have gone to for 10 if it happened. Now, as an Iowa State fan, I don't have a baseball team, so I, I don't know what it's like to be in the College World Series championship. I I have not has witnessed my team, nor has anybody seen them in the Final Four or National Championship. They've actually made the Final Four before, but not in the National Championship in hoops, not in the college football playoff. So I don't know what lengths I would go to to attend that game, but I can promise you guys that if you are buying tickets that cost more than hundred dollars to more than fifty dollars to sit in the outfield. You are spending too much money, and I know that it's a it's not exactly your market. You're not going to find tickets for that cheap, but I hope it goes down. At the same time, for anybody who spent more than for anybody who spent three hundred dollars on one ticket today, I hope you guys, you know, come out on the right side of things and and don't look in twelve hours and see that tickets are normal, but. It is absolutely absurd. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Uh, the cheapest I saw all day was just like in between, like w- while working, just in between looking, it was like 170 Even then, like that is still just incredibly overpriced. And that probably sold very quickly too. Yeah. Like somebody sees 170 compared to all these $300 tickets that are on the app right now they're going to jump on that because they think they're getting a deal. And when in reality, they're paying 17 times more than they should. The The cheapest I saw was actually $70, under $100. It was for the 300 section in the quote infield, but you're in the sky. But by the time that I saw it and I clicked on it, it I got the message, oh, somebody beat you to these tickets. So congrats to that person on getting a quote steal. But yeah, uh, I mean, seventy dollars for that is not bad in the, the market we're in right now. So in the in the market we're in, that's in the market we've the been lifetime. in for the last twelve hours. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah. if those tickets got resold. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest with you. If I if I stumbled upon seventy dollars tickets, I would list them for what they're what what they're going for right now because people are buying them. Yeah. People are out there buying those tickets for those prices. It shouldn't be that way. It's criminal. But if you're gonna if you're gonna allow me the opportunity to make four hundred dollars in five minutes, I think I'm gonna pursue that opportunity. Man, one it of is our, one of our friends resold three tickets for twelve hundred dollars, which is just of absurd, just stupid. The thing about it is, it's never been like this before ever. 
Mm-mm. It's been mm-hmm. it's cost the same no matter what seat you got. It costs the same for game one on Saturday afternoon and game three of the national championship. It's cost the same. And I don't know if it's changed this year because GA is now all reserved or if I that is honest to God. The only idea that I mm-hmm. you know, can think of is that that is why these ticket prices are so high. And I'm afraid that the NCAA and the city of Omaha and everybody else who has everything to do with with sales and all the money that comes in, they're going to see this and they're going to be like, we should do this every year because screw the fan, screw the people who are actually going to the games because people are going to buy these tickets anyway. And I, you know, if, if it is like this for the next handful of years, I could definitely see a, a lack of interest in the folks from Omaha that go to the college mm-hmm. world series every year. My initial thought for the raising ticket prices was it's Mississippi state. They're coming out of the woodwork and some people are smart enough to kind of raise the prices on their own just because people will be desperate to go. But that's what I would expect if the tickets were like minimum, like a hundred dollars to go like, okay, this is a little steep, but I guess if you, if you want to make a quick buck, go ahead. Tickets should not be $300. I don't even know. Like if there is like, there has to be a reason I, we can put it on the, on the no GA thing, which I of course am a fan of, but, uh, it just absolutely ridiculous. I can only imagine, like I, I was saying earlier today to you guys or to somebody, uh, imagine if it was Mississippi State against Arkansas. Like Vanderbilt, yeah. huge respect for the program, obviously, whether they belong in the championship game or not, quote-unquote. Huge respect for the program and everything they've done. Tim Corbin is obviously arguably the best coach in college baseball. Great program, but the fans just don't travel. Fans are kind of not really that interested in baseball to that high of a degree. It's Mississippi state fans who are going to be filling that stadium, but uh, I, I, I don't know. It's, See, it's, it's like, ridiculous that those people are being ripped off of all people too. Yeah. And for, for those who haven't been to the college world series and haven't seen the stadium up close and personal, like it's a nice place. It's, it's a beautiful ballpark, but there is not a $300 seat in that place. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely <clears throat> not. Unless you're talking about like the suites, maybe, but there is not a three hundred dollars seat in that ballpark. The suites are very overrated. Are they? I've never. Yeah. You've I've been, never in been, been in a suite. I've been in a suite. Yeah. I I, I it was, think that it wasn't for good. a CWS game, so I, I don't really. But it was for it was Nebraska versus Creighton, and it was just kind of like it was meh. Hmm. I, I would think that like it would be a fun time to get like six people, like if the prices were normal. And I don't know how much a suite is. Like, I assume that that's one flat rate and not individual tickets. Or how does that work? Uh, I believe the suites are actually owned by businesses. Because, like, the way that we got into one of the suites was it was the one that my dad's business or my dad's work owned. And then they just kind of would give them out to different people. And my dad just happened to get the tickets that night. So we went and there were, I think, six of us in total. Mm-hmm. And, it, I mean... I don't know, like, normally, like, when you think of a suite, you're like, oh, like, I'm getting, like, free food with it, but, like, that wasn't the case. Like, you get a fridge, but it was completely empty when we walked in, and you still have to go to concession <laughs> stands. And stuff, That's got to like be that. different during the College I would World assume World. it's different during the College World Series, but it, the seats really, like, I don't know. I definitely prefer to be closer to the field wh- 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 rather than higher up. 
there's definitely a little bit of a pageant to it, but I was just going to say, like, I would think that if you could buy those for, like, a flat rate, it would be a good deal if you could get, like, eight people to just divide it up evenly. For just one game, you kind of spend a little bit extra, maybe. But you get there, you, maybe, the, like you imagine, free food, free drinks, whatever. But if, if that's not the case, then just go ahead and scratch that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Mississippi State fans have traveled exceptionally well. Definitely the biggest fan base represented in Omaha over the last week. We were talking at the games on Monday that we all went to. If we were to rank in order the biggest fan bases in Omaha, not not total, like across the country, like specific these teams had fans in Omaha, Mississippi state would be far and away. Number one. And I think we decided on Tennessee probably being number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I've seen a lot of Texas fans though. Yeah. It's yeah. Texas, Texas was definitely on the but lower even. end. Um, I actually, we actually saw a lot of NC state fans yeah. the Monday afternoon game, at least. Yeah. And they're actually very, very fun. I feel like they would fit in well with the sec fans, but, uh, definitely didn't realize that obviously the NC state fan base is enormous now after what's happened the last couple days. But I was, I was shocked before all of that played out at the amount of people that genuinely cared about the NC state baseball program. I think mm-hmm. Dave Portnoy had a lot to do with that too, though. I mean, he might have, but I, like the amount of I, like, uh, the amount of following that he has and Barstool has, just when he throws out, "Oh, I'm rooting for this team because I've got money on him." I figure a lot of the casual fans who just like follow Barstool or him are like, "Well, now I'm going to pull for NC State," and also NC State of all of the teams here was the only one you could even like kind of be like, "Yeah, kind of a Cinderella." Yeah, Virginia's lower seeded, but Virginia won it what six years ago. So yeah. yeah. I think NC State was kind of the like underdog of the pack, and and it helped when the, a lot of those casual fans are Nebraska fans, and they got Arkansas to live rent free in their head, and then they saw NC State beat Arkansas. It's like, well, that's that's <laughs> another reason to root for woo yeah. Wolfpack. Yeah, I yeah, just just to say it again, I was I was actually very impressed with how well NC state fans traveled. And then obviously the last talking point in our intro is the, the Vanderbilt versus the world narrative. that's sort of, uh, you know, accompanied the last news, the news over the last handful of days. I have a tangent that I want to go on later on, but uh, I, I also have one. I say we just get them out of the way. All right. Um, I, I think I think people that are pushing the narrative that Vanderbilt and Tim Corbin caused the whole thing are just fucking stupid. Yes. Like flat out dumb. Tim Corbin had nothing to do with NC State getting kicked out of the College World Series. And the same thing, all of the people who are responding to these tweets to Kendall Rogers about, oh, Vanderbilt players were talking to fans unmasked and all this BS. Every team was doing it. Yes. Like, don't don't single out Vandy because they were the, this. I mean, it's exactly like shooting the messenger. I mean, it's like the the messenger walks up and says, "Oh, your grandma just died," and then you shoot the messenger between the eyes because he gave you bad news. Like, this is not this isn't Vanderbilt's fault. They, I guarantee you, they don't want to be in this position. In a sense that 
they get to the national championship by not playing a game. Like you can't blame them for being in this spot. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous that people still on Twitter as of 20 minutes ago, were pushing this narrative that, Oh, the reason NC state is kicked out of the college world series is because Tim Corbin made them go all go and get tested 20 minutes before their game on Friday. That's not true. Kendall Rogers has said it. It's not true. Everybody who's worth a damn has said it's not true because it's right. And that, I mean, it just blows my mind that like, it's an easy target. The whole 30 scholarship things. I get that. Like Vanderbilt is an easy target for this, but it is not Vanderbilt's fault in any way. Yeah. I mean, Kendall Rogers had an entire like long article where he talked about NC state's breakdown of, or not breakdown, but like the rundown from when they played their first game Saturday until their season ended the next Saturday. And people were replying to him. The first they said, like, did you ask NC? Because he talked to both representatives from NC State and the NCAA and asked them about the whole Vandy kind of story. And he goes, yeah, it came up. I didn't want it to really. I didn't really want to talk to him, but I felt like I had to because I knew, I knew the story was what people wanted to hear. But at the same time, he goes, I knew it was bullshit, which any I think I think if you're thinking about this logically, it's like um, they're being tested every two days like. Tim Corbin's not getting a whiff of, oh, they have positives and going, you know, t- test them again, test them again an hour before they have a, they start a game. I mean, I think baseball of any sport is the one that's the most like you're on a set schedule and you go through the motions and you, you're kind of, you get set in your ways. I don't think Tim Corbin's going to throw Kumar Rocker off of that an hour before he's going to pitch. That's not going to happen. And just the, the absolute thought of that just doesn't make sense to me. And people are, like I saw somewhere on Twitter, people were like, Tim Corbin doesn't even like, he's not that good of a coach. He just, he just gets free recruits. He doesn't even have to recruit. They just come to Vanderbilt. And it's like Vanderbilt literally was nowhere near this before Tim Corbin went there. So to take away anything from Tim Corbin and like what he's done for the, for uh, Vanderbilt over his, his uh, tenure there is just stupid asinine. He's won two national titles there now. And before he was there, they weren't bringing in these star-studded rosters that he has now where it's like, okay, like eight, eight of these guys are going to play in the majors within five years. So to take anything away from him is just stupid. And you cannot blame Vanderbilt for something that North Carolina State did to themselves, basically. It's the way I look at it. I mean, yeah, you can get mad at the NCAA, but the NCAA had these set rules. They had these set protocols. If you test positive, you're more, your season's going to end more than likely. It happened to VCU in the basketball tournament. And it's not like these NC State players couldn't have been vaccinated. And for them to only have 13 of the 35 players, whatever you have, whatever the actual number is, that is just stupid. I cannot believe that happened. And I just, to me, it just, to me, it feels like the coach kind of let them down by a not enforcing a stricter protocol when they got to Omaha and not allowing these players around people who could be COVID positive and two, not making his team get vaccinated. I mean, the university of Texas, before they came here, they got made every single person get vaccinated. And we, they even, they told us when we interacted with them at one point, yeah, the whole team's vaccinated and we don't get tested. So for all of these teams to come here, and I mean, nobody else has had any COVID issues outside North Carolina State. Did they get kind of shafted by the ruling? Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're the ones who had the positive test and they're the ones who chose not to get vaccinated. Yeah, it's a very interesting situation because on on one side of things, NC State knew 
the rules. They knew what was going to happen. And a lot of players chose to not get vaccinated for reason A, reason B, reason C. And then they went ahead and, and violated the rules anyway. That's not to say that any team did follow the rules. It's just very interesting that NC State chose to, didn't get vaccinated, and then those unvaccinated players chose to go about their business in a risky way. I know that we've spoken to some Mississippi State players who have told us that they are vaccinated. I won't reveal their medical information to you guys on who those players are, but I know that those guys have been kind of doing whatever they want, and they should be allowed to because they're vaccinated, although apparently if there is an outbreak within the team, then those vaccinated players can become tested. And at that point, it became a really unfortunate situation for NC State, whether it was their fault or not, that their seasons and, and some careers had to come to an end in the, in a Final Four situation, where obviously it was their fault. But I don't know how the NCA could have handled it in a different way. Some people are saying, oh, the COVID is over, so don't test at all. I don't think that's necessarily the right answer, but I wish that there was a way where you could have punished NC State and and still kept them in the tournament. I don't think that any season should end because of, of the virus, unless for some reason the entire team was un, un, unable to play. I don't know the numbers of players that were still eligible to play, but I think if you just say, okay, if you're fully vaccinated from now on on NC State, you can play. But I, again, I don't know the numbers on that situation. I don't know if you guys know those numbers. But I, I, I'm wondering why NC State couldn't just roll out the fully vaccinated players for the remainder of the tournament and call that good. Or even have daily testing, and if you test negative, then you're good to go. But I, I, I understand that it's all very dicey. I completely agree. I don't think there's any reason why the vaccinated players should not have been able to play. And then even the unvaccinated players, I mean, if they're taking two COVID tests a day and they've been doing that for the last, you know, if they were still in, they would have been taking tests the last four days. You know, if those are all coming back negative, just let them play. I mean, I, that's a whole nother road to go down but i mean you saw nc state be competitive with the 13 guys that they played with on friday so i don't i don't think anybody in that program would have had a problem with trotting out the same 13 guys on saturday and then you get into the issue of oh resting and stuff like that but i i think they'd rather play shorthanded than not play at all and i i genuinely don't feel like the ncaa really gave them a chance i think the ncaa saw what was happening and decided to hit the panic button to look pretty rather than what is best for these players. Yeah, it, it was, oh, I was just going to add that it, it was interesting in the Kendall Rogers article that NC state offered the NCA the opportunity to play a double header. And yes, the NCAA didn't and the even NCAA that. said no, Yeah, which is bad. That was dumb. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, mean, it's sorry, Mitch, but they, they Sunday, there were no games scheduled. You could have played on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of issues for the NCAA here, which I agree with. Why are they announcing that NC State season is over at 1.30 in the morning? I'm literally, I'm literally at the bars 30 minutes before close and I'm finding out <laughs> North Carolina State's season is over. I'm like, huh? Well, what is going on? Two, I, it, the NCAA, I feel like there's, a lot of ways they could have handled this better. Like if they would have given NC state the doubleheader option three, 
if they would have been more transparent about what was going on, we were in the stadium waiting for the game to start and they didn't announce that the game was being delayed until 1250. The game was supposed to start at one. What is going on there? Mm-hmm. Like, there's just so many. I, I mean, if you read the Kendall Rogers article he put out, it really kind of clears up the lead up to what was going on, but there's still a lot of questions left to be had. I think there's going to be questions forever. I don't think that, we will ever have 100% of all of the answers to what happened this weekend. But yeah, I mean, just to piggyback off what I said 10 minutes ago, like, I don't know how you can look at a guy like, like Enrique Bradfield and be like, this is your fault. We're cheering against you now because of this. Like, don't do that. Be smarter than that. Back to the, what, what Mitch said about the timing of the announcement it, I'm pretty sure it was explained a little bit in the Kendra Rogers article, just like how long the testing took, although there was still a little yeah. lack of communication with NC State, but it was very suspicious when it happened because yeah. I know that I was able to just waltz right into the stadium to watch the continuation of Mississippi State, Texas without a ticket. I was not there before the ninth inning, but I walked in the ninth inning with one out and and I was able to watch the, the end of that game. But it was I watched Mississippi State struggle to get out of the top of the ninth and with like two outs, the NCAA CWS account tweets, we've decided to end NC State season, yada, yada, yada. And like I'm surrounded by maybe like a thousand people, but all 1,000 of these people have their eyes glued to the game because it's me and Mississippi State fans like who traveled from Mississippi and Texas fans who traveled from Texas and like maybe a handful of people who might be on their might be might have their phones in their hand right now. So I was one of like a few people in that stadium that knew what the situation was. And then like you could hear murmurs like when the inning ended and people were able to look at their phones like I, it wasn't like anybody was like, oh, that's stupid or anything like that. But it was just you could hear people were like talking like immediately after they all went to their phones. They all saw it. But it was just like a 45 second period where I was sitting there like I'm the only one in this building that knows like the most shocking news in maybe college baseball history. And then I kind of witnessed the crowd find out a little bit of an interesting moment, yeah. almost as interesting as NC state taking a photo in the stadium, like 10 minutes after I left. So, I mean, like the reasoning for both of those instances were given in the Kendall Rogers article and though for the, basically for it coming out at one in the morning was because that's when they got the test back. And that's when they told informed the NC state coaching staff, what was going on. But I know Kendall Rogers talked about this. Also, he said, why are you not announcing it at a press conference where you can take questions from the media? Like, I just feel like the NCAA just wanted to avoid as much of a, a, a more of a shitstorm than they already had on their hands. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a bad look when an authoritative, like almost a government, an unelected government, of course, is able to end the season, possibly go over the heads of, of uh, elected health officials, uh, I don't. I, I'm not 100 sure, but it sounded like they they consulted the Douglas County, uh, where College World Series played Douglas County in Omaha, the health department, and they they advised them, hey, you probably shouldn't cancel an NC State season. I don't know what what exactly was said there, but I saw a tweet, so I don't know how legitimate it is. But it sounded like the health department said, yeah, they're probably good to continue playing under certain circumstances, and the NCAA was just like. No, we're just going to end their season. But I, I that was just a tweet I saw. But it, it just feels very fishy. 
when the NCAA yeah. makes an announcement at 1.30 via a tweet. Obviously, they told NC State, but they told everybody else via Twitter. Well, even when Karavich uh, read the announcement on ESPN on the live broadcast, I, I mean, he you could tell that it was something that he was sort of sort of shocked about. I mean, it, it was definitely a situation that I don't think he'd ever been in before. And I think it's a situation that nobody KP or Eduardo had been in before in that booth either. And it's, this is uncharted territory and it's easy for us to go back and say, Oh, this is what they should have done and how we talk about how shitty everything was and how shitty everything happened. But you know, it, it's, it's, these are uncharted waters and it really sucks that, you know, no matter what happens, the the national champion is going to have an asterisk next to their name because, you know, you kicked out one of the last four teams. So I don't, I don't think it delegitimizes the national championship, but I think people will always look at the 2021 college world series and say, that was the year that three of the four just got a fair shot. Mm-hmm. And one of them didn't. <clears throat> Moving on to the, uh, the opening weekend that we saw, which was had four lovely matchups of NC state, Stanford, Vanderbilt, Arizona, Virginia, Tennessee, Mississippi state, Texas. Um, the NC State Stanford game honestly went nothing like I was expecting it to, even though I picked NC State to win, but I was not expecting NC State to put up that many runs on Stanford. And then followed by Vanderbilt, Arizona, which Kumar got kind of knocked around in that game. Kumar has not looked like the true like Vanderbilt, like ace everyone's been hyping up all year and his two starts in Omaha. I and thought it- Kumar looked pretty damn good against. And he stayed on Friday, but he was also playing four guys that uh, hadn't touched a bat yet. Yeah, we might we might have looked good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about he, that. I mean, can you really like look at that? I mean, he gave up a run to a team who's playing with what was it like five starters, four starters? See, I was I was thinking about that too as I was sitting there watching the game, and I felt like I I was honestly trying to predict what Tim Corbin was going to say after the game. And I, I have no idea what he said, but I imagine, you know, if I was in Tim Corbin's position, coaching a Vanderbilt team against a, against a 13 man NC state squad, you know, those guys are still division one baseball players. It's not like they're pulling high school kids from the stands to play against Vanderbilt. Like these are D one guys. They're not, you know, they're not a laughing stock. So I mean, no, I, I agree. Did, did, did Vanderbilt maybe, you know, not maybe underwhelm the the NC State team? But I mean, those are still good players, and I don't think you can, you know, take too much away from what Kumar uh, played like. I I think it has less to do with their value as a D one baseball player, but more to do with the factor facing Kumar Rocker, who's supposed to be the number one or number two pitcher in college baseball. And you're coming into the game where NC state's bottom four of the lineup are three for 27 on the year. And they're starting a first baseman who has never touched a bat all year who got three hits, two of which were off Kumar. Uh, Sam Highfield went uh, through for yeah. four. Yeah. Put some Sam respect Highfield. on Sam's name. I'm just, I'm just saying, I mean, can you really walk away from that and be like Kumar Rocker had a, had a good outing. I don't think it was bad. It wasn't bad. <laughs> it wasn't exceptional. It wasn't great. 
Uh, this this discussion about the opening weekend games quickly transitioned to the last. <laughs> everybody game already okay. Vanderbilt okay, play. everybody already knows about the opening weekend games. Yeah. Those happened a week ago. Well, I'm gonna yeah. go on a quick tangent about Mississippi State Texas here. Okay. So let's let's talk about game. Will Bednar first. Uh, I'm just gonna say counts. Will Bednar is really really good. 15 strikeouts. You know the rest. He pitched great. Landon Sims pitched great. Fantastic game for Mississippi State. Really happy to see them get that win. Good for them. Against Ty Madden, they have faced Ty Madden three times now, and uh, Mississippi State's two and one, you know, when things became all said and done against Ty Madden. But we are here in the fifth inning. Let me paint the picture in your guys' head. The fifth inning, Will Bednar has like 12, 13 strikeouts at this point. He's almost struck out every batter he's faced. Almost, Almost every batter. He's definitely struck out every every batter on Texas at least once. One of, if not, the best pitching performance in College World Series history. It's I shouldn't say the best, but one of the best, undoubtedly. And here we are in a, in a 2-0 game. Anything could happen in a 2-0 game. Texas is batting. Will Bednar is back on the mound. And all of a sudden, the wave starts. You have got to be joking. <laughs> <laughs> we are sitting here. Witnessing history, Will Bednar might strike out 25 people tonight. And the wave starts going around the stadium. We're doing the slow motion wave. We're going around and around. Oh, right field sucks. No, left field sucks. No, you all suck. Because this is college baseball history that you are interrupting. Will Bednar, uh, the, the wave goes on. Will Bednar walks the first batter of the inning. Could that be because a pitcher is so dialed in that all of a sudden watching every single person in the stadium stand up and sit back down? distracted him a little bit how's a batter supposed to watch the ball come out of a pitcher's hand if all of a sudden the entire outfield is standing up and waving their arms like total morons the wave is absurd it's one thing if we're doing it in a a commercial break i shouldn't even be saying that because i hate the wave that much but (laughs) we should not be doing the wave in a two to zero game in a it's it wasn't close to a championship yet but in a national championship type like setting Two of the best teams in this tournament, two of the best teams in college baseball, two of the best programs in college baseball, where we have Will Bednar absolutely dominating on the mound, Texas struggling to get back in it, and we decide to start, let's go ahead and test the pitcher here by standing up, waving our arms, and sitting back down. I'll be at a game, and the, the people down the aisle from me, will be. he'll be eating his you know, we'll say he's eating some chicken strips. He's dunking it in the barbecue sauce. And all of a sudden this guy will grab his, grab his beer and like throw it back down in the cup holder and, and, and move his food to the ground just so he can participate in the wave. What kind of male are you? I can't imagine. (laughs) I can't imagine seeing the wave coming around and thinking, Oh my God, let me drop my life. Imagine I'm like a newborn baby. Oh honey, hold the baby. I have to go stand and participate in the wave. (laughs) This is ridiculous. I can't stand the people who start the wave, and they're never going to stop. But it hurts when I look over in the Mississippi State section, who constantly tweet at me, ban the wave, and I see every one of them participating in the wave. Eli Dalton Wilson, if you participated in the wave, we oh. will find you. Eli Dalton Wilson, hold the hold the Dalton. No more Dalton. It's just Eli Wilson uh, now. <laughs> Eli Wilson, if you participate <laughs> in the wave, we will find you. He tweeted. He he let me know where he was sitting last night. And I kept my eyes on that section when the wave went around and there were too many people around him starting the wave. So Eli Dalton Wilson, you've been cut off. This is just sick. (laughs) 
I can't stand the wave. Everybody knows I hate the wave. I think some people think it's like a joke because we didn't mean ban the wave. Like, oh, the wave's starting. Haha, ban it. I literally never want to see it again. I think <laughs> if you stand up and raise your arms, maybe there should just be like a chainsaw that comes and takes your arms off. It is disgusting. It's gracious. I can't stand it. And then, we, then we'll get going in like the third inning. We're settling into the game. Right field sucks. You got to be kidding me. You guys <laughs> are now paying $400. Could you imagine if that starts the national championship with your million dollar tickets? I found the golden ticket, Willy Wonka. I'm going to start the wave. You guys just took out a loan to come to this game. If the wave starts <laughs> on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, please never go to a baseball game again. Thank you. We also got one of the best gifts or gifs, however you want to pronounce that I've, I've seen in a while of Will, of Will Bednar, our, uh, Texas hitter, I can't remember who it is, but it's a three-one count, and he takes a ball, or he, or he took what the Texas batter takes what he thought was a ball, but it was called a strike. It was one of those questionable calls, and he runs up halfway down the line. Will Bednar's just sitting on the rail, and he just goes, "Get back in that box!" It is phenomenal. It is a great gift, and I, it, it was, it was an incredible time on Twitter that night. And another thing I'm going to add about that game, not related to the wave, uh, the beach balls, which I'm iffy on. But anyway, one went on the field and Douglas Hodo, the, the Texas right fielder, instead of returning the ball to the crowd, like most fan favorite players do, he looks up like he's going to return it and then stomps on the ball. Now, I'm anti people in the outfield, so I don't know if I'm a big fan of this or not, but I did find it appropriate that he later in that same inning misplayed a ball that ended up being the winning run. And was the last out of the game. So I found that to be a little bit appropriate, but a little bit of karma. Yeah. At the same time, I don't know if I, in that situation, like, do I prefer him to give the band item back to the fans or do I prefer him to tell the fans to uh, politely get bent? Uh, but <laughs> he, he did end up getting the, the short end of the stick when he kind of lost the game for Texas in multiple ways. Uh, also, another note from the this opening weekend, I think we can move on from this after this. Uh, I had a Tennessee fan, I think it was Noah Robinson, kind of <laughs> ripped me on Twitter. for The, the uh, only Tennessee baseball fan, Noah J. Robinson. For some talk yeah. about Tennessee in our last pod that we did before the start of the CWS. I'm just like, mm, you guys got shut out game one, and then you got sent home game two. Yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, DM'd him, and we were talking about the Tennessee game, whatever, just something real quick. And then he was like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be up in Omaha on uh, Sunday in preparation for the championship series. And I was like, oh, bra- bold of you to come up here for Vandy, Mississippi State. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, we lost today, so I'll give you that. But then I ended up being exactly correct. So I went ahead and sent a screenshot of that one. He was like, oh, my God, you're a genius. Yeah. That's totally what he said. And then so the uh, kind of second slate of games started Monday with Stanford, Arizona which was Stanford just like you turn the game on, you're in the second inning. Oh, Stanford is up seven, nothing. This game's over. <laughs> that was one of those where Menzi picked Arizona and Dave Portner was like, you turn on these games and, and you're, you're already you, down 10, nothing. Your bet's lost. <laughs> your bet's over. <laughs> and that was that, that game was followed by uh, Jack Ladder and Sam Highfield just dominating, absolutely dominating, dominating each other. It, I think it, it's fast. Yeah. It's oh yikes! It's, <laughs> Hopefully, did uh, I with say that? Song. Uh, it it and uh, it's like it just sucks because it's like nobody wants to lose that game and you lose it off of just a solo shot. 
I don't think any starting pitcher really deserved a loss in that. Like I know no. statistically lighter gets the loss, but I mean, it's, it's crazy to me to think how baseball is a sport where like one mistake. I mean, Jack lighter was literally almost perfect except for one pitch. He threw in the first hit he gave up in the game too. Yeah. I think it was also the fifth inning. Him. I was just yeah. going to say, this isn't a barstool product, but I'm going to mention Mincy again. Yeah. When he was standing there on the, the concourse filming the video and all of a sudden, yeah, it's a total pitcher's duel. And then boom, there goes the perfect game because Jack Lodgers got took deep, ended up being the only run of the game. Absolutely yeah. incredible run for Mincy there. Yeah. I, I mean, like Lighter made one mistake all day long and he gets the loss for it. But I also want to say, I feel like Stanford being here is one of those like, teams that everybody's going to forget that was here. I mean, they won a game. They weren't eliminated in the first four days. I I, I do like the the Brandon Beck situation was just awful. I, I feel absolutely horrible for what happened to him throwing uh, a wild pitch to, to <laughs> end the season, but I feel like everybody forgets that Stanford was here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of those. I left work. The game is, I think, I think uh, Stanford was winning when I left work. And I get home and I go to turn on the TV to watch the end of the game. And, oh, Vanderbilt has walked it off on a wild pitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like people, people will blame Brandon Beck for that. But as I mean, I guess rightfully so, as they should. But um, Enrique Bradfield getting the base knock to to get guys on base was was equally as big as the uh, wild pitch. If that wild pitch does go awry and and Stanford wins that game, Stanford might be playing for national championship, and we we we're gonna forget that they were here. Uh, I don't think that's a might. Actually, I think that would be a guarantee. Yeah. I agree. Which makes I maybe didn't, if, I honest to God didn't even think about that until you just yeah. said it. Maybe if if Stanford wins that game, NC State doesn't get the virus. You didn't think about that one, did you? No, that's that's uh players were already sick on like that Monday, according to that D one baseball article. Yeah. Um, but I didn't even think it like Stanford would be playing for a national championship if Brandon Beck didn't overthrow that baseball. That's incredible. Uh, we did skip over the uh, Texas, Tennessee, and Mississippi State, Virginia games on Tuesday. How could we forget about Tony Vitello? I, I didn't really watch much. I, I didn't really watch much of the Texas, Tennessee game. Uh, I the umpiring was just hit shell. Oh, I mean, that's right. One, yeah. That one specific play at home plate where they literally took it frame by frame. The dude was out by a solid six inches, and they still called him safe. Uh, Kivet ends up getting tossed uh, for from the dugout strikes, for yeah. for it wasn't even that he slammed his binder on the on the railing of the dugout and the third baseman or in the third base umpire walks across the field and throws him out. That that of, that's a joke of all of the ejections I've ever seen in baseball. That is the that is the weirdest one I've ever seen. One of the softest too, honestly. Yeah, he, he like, got thrown out so bad that he's now at Houston. Yeah. Different job. I know. Incredible. I mean, that's just one of those, like, first off, and for reference, Tennessee's on their dugout is on the first base side. So this yep. third base umpire is literally as far away from the Tennessee dugout as anyone can possibly be on the field to be in the position to throw someone out. 
and he walks halfway down the line towards home base or turns home, home plate. Oh boy. And looks at the Tennessee dugout and just throws somebody out. Like, did, did he even know who he threw out at that point? And <laughs> I Tony Vitale so. is just like, what is going on? He walks out on the field. He's young. The, the, uh, the, uh, Tennessee coach who got thrown out, who was it again? Ross Kivett. Ross Kivett. He is, he's calling the third base, uh, umpire, a pussy. Yes. <laughs> this is going on. It's just like I'm just sitting there. I'm like, what the hell is what what is happening? I am legitimately surprised Vitello stayed in the game. Oh. Like I thought I thought he was getting chucked right after Kivit. And yeah. you know, cre- credit Tony for keeping keeping a cool head. And I'm not even gonna put down Ross Kivit for getting tossed oh. out either. Cause I'm like he didn't do anything. I mean, every baseball coach in the history of history has thrown something in the dugout when they get pissed off. So I, yeah, I don't blame Kivit at all. That was a bullshit ejection. Also, uh, good job for standing up for your players and your coaches. Yes, exactly. And I know they said on the podcast that Tennessee is a scrappy bunch of ball players, a scrappy bunch of coaches. The coaching staff will tell you what they think. And they'll make sure you know their opinion. I think that correlates very well to to the story and the the ride that this Tennessee team went on. Yeah, one one of my favorite parts of the College World Series is where we're you know whether we're credentialed media or just average people on the street, where we're able to interact with coaches and just in a limited interaction with Tony Vitello, he has rocketed up my favorite favorite people in college yep. baseball list. Probably my favorite coach in in the industry right now. Just a very, very cool guy. Not not afraid to tell you the truth. Yeah, I got to talk to Tony Vitello twice this week, and it was he's been he's amazing. I uh I'm I'm a Kentucky fan and I'm a Tennessee baseball fan, as weird as that sounds. One thing I'm a little bit surprised we haven't talked about is LSU's hiring of Jay Johnson and the fact that Vitello and Bianco are both staying at their uh, respective jobs. Also, how much did did Tennessee end up making Vitale the highest paid coach in college baseball? I don't think I don't think he signed anything yet. yet. Okay, yeah, but well, Tennessee did say that they are willing to do so to keep to keep him in Knoxville, and he's staying in Knoxville, so that deal's got to be close, being done. I've thought for a while that there was like an extension, like we'll sign this at the end of the season, and we're going to announce facility upgrades at the same time. So I I, I never really thought that Vitale was LSU bound, like a lot of people tended to think but i wasn't really foreseeing jay johnson to lsu until until it happened yeah well i think it just kind of seemed weird to think lsu would go out west for their next coach who uh what was the college football team that was uh oh tennessee that uh had to settle on like coach four or five and josh heupel I feel like that's what LSU had to do with Jay Johnson. They didn't get their first guy. They didn't get their second guy. They didn't get their third guy. I think it's also I, a little bit of a little bit humbling for LSU because I mean, oh I yeah, five years ago LSU could have hired Bianca. They could have hired Vitello. I don't think there's any chance in hell they don't just go out, walk out the front door, and outside of five coaches, they just have their fair pick of them. I think it kind of I think yeah. it shows kind of the growth of college baseball just in the last couple of years. And two, I don't think Hypo was really a settlement. I think it was more so uh, not settlement, but like they weren't them settling. It was 
just the fact of that their coach got fired because of the whole um, McDonald's yeah, bag. Maybe it, maybe was it wasn't Heupel. It was the coach before. It was oh uh, Pruitt. Pruitt. Yes, it was Pruitt. Yeah, because yeah. the, the that was the whole Greg Schiano saga. So I was yeah I was right. early on my uh, yeah or I was late on my uh, guess. My bad. I but, still don't uh, think Josh Heupel is going to be good at Tennessee, but whatever. <laughs> Texas played Virginia uh, in baseball. Yep. Uh, or was that the game we were even going to talk about next? Uh, Mississippi Texas State played Virginia first. Did not bit. play, or they did play Virginia, but it was that first. We are all the, over the place. First, Mississippi the, State. Sorry, played the Jay Virginia. Johnson talk. I threw this off, but yeah, Mississippi State did play Virginia first. Me and Noah were at that game. I had four eight dollar beers, and I wanted four runs. I got more than that in one inning. I got six from Mississippi State, so that was a lot of fun. Um, it was pretty entertaining watching that and i said to noah i was like because you pulled out your phone to record it and you weren't recording the first pitch like tanner allen's taking this one and i'm like <laughs> okay he takes it proceeds to hit a three-run home run on the next pitch it was like okay yeah. no one knows what he's doing one two tanner allen is i think that was his first hit of the cws too if i remember right and it was like you just you have these two guys with rowdy jordan and tanner allen both of them just stepping up in big moments Roddy Jordan getting the double right before that, which probably should have been a triple and scored a run, but some questionable base running on Mississippi State's part and made it a double. And then Tanner Allen's three-run home run. Just yep. absolute perfect, perfect time for a comeback from them when you got the right guys at the right moment. First off with my video, yeah, I'm a, I'm a genius. We'll get into it later, but that was not the first time that the very first pitch I recorded ended up being a pretty significant moment. Uh, but my favorite part of the the Tanner Allen home run is the video that was tweeted. ESPN has these fancy new cameras where they had them in the NFL for some network where it's almost like you're looking at these guys in person. Like the cameras have gotten so much better. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but the camera is just like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like surreal almost. It's like, yeah, it's almost it's like, like you're in a video game, but it's real. Yeah, very cinematic. Yeah, but uh, it just like my favorite part is in the video. Tanner Allen's like coming home and he and he touches the home plate and then he has this like smirk on his face for like Rowdy Jordan and, and Josh Hatcher to look at. It's like those guys have been there since since Jake Mangum was you know was on his way out and those guys have bridged this new gap, the Lamonis era. And just just the like smirk on his face is like we're here, but we're not done yet. And it was just like it was the most Tanner Allen thing I've ever seen. I love Tanner Allen. Like he He's a very humble person, first off. He's, like, fantastic human being, and he's a really good baseball player on top of it. And I think there's a lot of guys on this Mississippi State team that are like that, and I think that's really what makes them a, a real lovable lovable team for especially a squad that, you know, isn't an underdog in really any way. I think that's why a lot of people have sort of gravitated toward Mississippi State this year. Outside of Will Bednar, also they're not they don't really have a lot of emotional guys, which I feel like there's some people who don't really gravitate towards that. But for me, it's just kind of nice to see. It's like they don't really have anyone who's going out there and like showboating. They just have a lot of guys who they're they're to, they're they're there to play baseball and they're to win games. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, as somebody who is generally anti general admission and having fun at a baseball game, I do appreciate not showing emotion until you win. Yeah. 
And then the following game after that was, yeah, Texas-Virginia, which I think was kind of a forgettable one. We already talked about Vandy and Stanford. Yes. So I yeah. said that's why we're at Texas-Virginia. Yeah. Uh, yeah, gotcha. I don't – I don't. <laughs> you mentioned it right now, and I'm not remembering it at all. Okay, it's coming to me. Texas won, like, late. They pulled away late. Was there, like, a delay or something there? Mm, I, I don't uh, know, but it was – that yeah, that was the yeah that was that was the that game, game like one. that didn't start till nine. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one where all these days run together, folks. Yeah, that was I, the one where we might have had a nine a.m. game, but we didn't. Yeah, that I I've been downtown, which is like a twenty minute drive, twenty five minute drive from where I live. Like probably. I don't know, seven of the last 10 days, all of the days are running together. So mm-hmm. this is our excuse. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that game happened. <laughs> and then Vandy played NC State again, which. Vandy and, played a quarter of NC State. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that one had its theatrics. We already touched on. And then Texas played Mississippi State, won eight to five. Forcing a final game between those two. Ivan Melendez absolutely nuked a ball in the rain. Should the game have already been delayed at that point? Maybe. But then we came back at 1 a.m. and, and got five outs and uh, called a night and said, we'll see you later tonight. And then we did. But while that happened, Vandy won the next game by default, even though the NCAA was selling tickets for that game. Yeah. And uh, Mississippi State played Texas, and I alluded to it just a few minutes ago. Uh, this was another one where I whipped out my phone just in time. It was right after Skinner stole second base. I didn't have my phone out because I, I could be honest with myself. Like, uh, if Tanner Leggett hits a home run here, I'm okay with those odds of me not holding a camera and recording every pitch. If he goes yard here, you know what? That's on me. But then as soon as he stole second, I thought Tanner Leggett could hit a, hit a single and win this game. And he did. First pitch, I whipped out the camera. First pitch, he did. So, I guess if what I'm saying is, Mississippi State fans, if you see me holding my phone like an idiot, you can probably expect to win the game on the next pitch. <laughs> what a what a bang bang breakdown by Noah. Yeah, yeah that was that was impressive. Yeah, I, uh, it just. I feel like the CWS does this every year. It's like you're excited. It's starting. You know, you're at the start of the CWS, and all of a sudden, there's a team that's two and zero, and then you blink, and it's like, oh, we're we're almost at the we're a game away from the championship series. Oh yeah, after like the after Tuesday after the Tuesday games when they play the bracket two winners game and the losers game, everything just goes so fast. Yeah, and it, it's like you snap the the first four days. Days are long, and then you snap your fingers, and boom, you're you're getting ready for a championship. And you don't really appreciate how far certain teams made it. Like you said, we forgot about Virginia, or like you said, we forgot about Stanford. But Virginia was was very yeah. close. Texas, Your obviously, of the pod, Stephen Shock. Shock. Yes, Stephen Shock is a must follow on Twitter, uh, especially now that he's no longer an NCAA athlete. Go ahead and follow him. He has open DMs. Maybe we'll ask him to come on the pod sometime. That would be incredible. Yeah, I'm sure he would say yes because why he not? He is an iconic uh, athlete. Just an icon living. Yeah. Okay. I'm Please just don't an quote. icon living. Yeah. Okay. Please don't quote uh, Jaden 
whatever his name is. Smith. Smith. I thought of that because I was looking through my uh, one one of my Instagram posts, and that's what Reggie commented on. It was just an icon living. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of iconic, championship game one is tomorrow, Monday, June 20th, 6 p.m. Championship game two will be at Tuesday, June 29th, 6 p.m. And if necessary, championship game three will come Wednesday, June 30th, 6 p.m. Um, no 100% guarantees on this, but if we do go to a game three, Ticketmaster, as soon as game two ends, will feature face value seats. So I probably shouldn't advertise it for my own sake, but if you're listening and we do go to a game three, you're going to want to have that Ticketmaster app open so you can pay $40 for a seat instead of 400 Yep. Yep, Very yep, yep, yep. Fantastic analysis by Mitch. Uh, I, I just I just can't get over the how overpriced the tickets are. But I uh, know one thing for tomorrow's game is Mississippi State has announced uh, McLeod will be pitching tomorrow. Has anything come out of the Vanderbilt side of things? I mean, it's Definitely going to be lighter, but Tim, Tim Corbin's always kept that pretty close to the chest or close to the vest, excuse me. Uh, but it's one of those deals where we'll find out like 20 minutes before they go if it's actually going to be lighter. Oregon State used to be like that, Vandy's like that. I think Mississippi State was under the previous administration, uh, Henderson politics, <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, it's one of those situations where certain coaches just don't like to talk about who's pitching, whereas we've known McLeod is going to be pitching since Lamona said in the press conference at the end of whatever day's game that was where Lane, Lane, not Lane Forsyth, where Tanner Leggett walked it off. Would have been Saturday. <laughs> okay. Then and we have game two. I'm, a, I'm assuming somebody against somebody. Would, would Fristo throw game two I, for Mississippi State? I, I would throw my crystal ball on Fristo, either him or... Fristo hasn't thrown since the regional, though. He yeah. hasn't yeah. thrown him in the Supers. Or, uh, Harding. Yeah, him or Harding. I, who, I would almost say, I think it'll be Harding. I just yeah, don't... It'll be Harding. I, I think Fristo could be a very useful reliever. I, I hope he yeah. gets an opportunity. I know it's I a little bit so of a too. hot take because uh, he's, he's, he's kind of struggled a little bit, but he's actually my favorite... Mississippi State pitcher of all of them, except except Sims. But Fristo he, is. Yeah, he's my favorite. I don't really know why. I mean, I here's one thing though. Fristo doesn't pitch this year. I he'll pitch at Omaha at some point in this in his Mississippi State career. Oh, Mitch, you just jinx Mississippi State. No, go Did after not. go after jinxes, Mitch. No, State jinxes fans. don't exist. Oh um, yeah, Chris Berg told me yikes. the same thing the other day. Yeah. Anyway, and then uh, if we do get a game three, it'll be what Bednar versus Kumar. Yes, and that would be fantastic. Although I do have to wonder that, you know, if we're in the eighth inning and and Vandy has the opportunity to bring Kumar in in a tie game to cool things down in game two, close out game two, yeah, or or just keep things where they are. In a situation like that, how many pitches does would Kumar throw on Tuesday for him to be unavailable the next day? Like what? say it's it's mm-hmm. it's it's one to one in the eighth. Corbin brings in Kumar from the bullpen. For the record, I don't he'd ever do that. But I agree. Kumar comes in, throws forty two pitches. They go to the tenth inning. Kumar gets pulled. I don't think you can start Kumar the next day. I think I think you could start Kumar and then 
just piggyback piggyback. There's a, there's your drop off though after after uh, Kumar and Jack. Yeah, folks, this like- is this is not an unprecedented situation because this happened in the 2018 national championship where Kevin Abel came in and he got the save in game two. Actually, he got the win because he came in in the tie game or when they were losing, and they ended up winning game two. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot that Oregon State wasn't winning at some point in game two. I'm sure Arkansas fans don't. Neither is <laughs> Eric Cole, Carson Shaddy, or anybody else in the corner outfield. But uh, Kevin Abel came in and got the win in game two, and then he pitched all nine innings in game three. I will try and find the pitch count for game two, but the situation we're describing just happened like two years ago. I think Pat Casey's a little different from Tim Corbin, though. I think Pat Casey might be a little more liberal with that stuff. I feel like Tim Corbin is going to take the safe road 100% of the time. Mm. Possibly. I don't know. If we're, should we make predictions or should we not make predictions? I'm down to make predictions. Yeah. You're down to make predictions. I'm going to say Vandy takes game one, State takes game two, and. Uh, I mean, if Kumar's throwing game three, I, I find it hard to bet against Kumar. Um, I do think this one goes to Wednesday, though. I don't think a team will just take it two games to none. I think, uh, well, I mean, if Vandy's offense doesn't show up like they have been the last you know, handful of games, then there's issues, but it's national championship. I imagine they'll be ready. Uh, before I give my prediction, I'd like say Kevin Abel threw 23 pitches in that game two. So we'll call Kumar's cap 30 to, to pitch again next day. But like you said, I don't really foresee Tim Corbin doing that. I think Vandy wins game one, Mississippi State wins game two, and then Mississippi State wins game three. Oh, my. And in that fashion, Will Bednar wins CWS most outstanding player for Aljulin Kumar and Texas twice. Although I personally hope Mississippi State wins the two games. I know that I'm obviously unbiased and have no no rooting interest, of course. But if I had my <laughs> choice, I would take Mississippi State in two and Landon Sims getting the save in both games and giving him the most outstanding player because he has agreed to at some point in the future be a guest on this very podcast. We love and Landon. That would be quite the quite the uh the get to get the cws most outstanding player because hate to bring it to you all but kumar rocker is not coming on the pod (laughs) not by our choice (laughs) (laughs) i'm just sitting here i'm like trying to think i'm like i just it's so hard to bet against vandy when they can throw mitch Mitch, whatever whatever you say is going to happen mitch is literally 14 and 0 and picking college world series games Um, this year i i'm eight and one on my cws bets but that's not just straight money lines i've had a few over under i think on my straight money lines i'm like five and one mitch pick a champion pick a champion they're literally uh, waiting at the machines in the casino yeah, to, to, uh, for you to say something. Now, now that we've said this, though, I'm going to turn into Ben Mintz and everything's just going to go to shit. Um, I, I'm i sitting here and I'm like, if Mississippi State wins game one against Leiter, I think they win game two. But it's just like, do they beat Leiter? 
Yeah, I'm taking Mississippi State in two games. Two. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking the Vanderbilt. The Vanderbilt bats. They they could barely hit a guy who has a what was it eight ERA on the year for North Carolina State, followed by a guy with an eleven ERA. Like there was this guy. The guy was literally making his first start of the year. He had thrown eight innings all year, and Vanderbilt struggled to put three runs on him. Riddle I, me this: If Vandy drops game one, does Kumar throw game two? Because yes. if that's not the case, then Kumar doesn't pitch in the championship series, and Kumar might win Golden Spikes. Probably will win Golden Spikes if it's um, not. I must have missed Kevin Cobb's funeral. Yeah. Well, I. I don't know. Kevin, I mean, Kevin Cobb's already won the Dick Hauser. Oh, which, did he? Yeah, I did not know that. Which kind of leads me to believe he'll win the Golden Spikes, but well, okay. Let me let me it's... rephrase that. You'll have a Golden Spikes finalist who doesn't pitch in the championship series if Kumar doesn't game two if Andy loses game one. Mm. I, I think Kumar throws in game two if they lose game one, no matter what. Like, I, I, I I don't know if it's a I he tentatively starts or agree. If he comes out of the bullpen at some point, but I think That's he's three throwing. full days rest. He's throwing at some point. I don't know if it's he's starting, but he's definitely I, – I don't know if you start little and then you throw in Kumar in the fifth or fourth mm-hmm. inning or whatever, like depending on how little's doing. I, I think it might be the – well, I don't know about that either because, I mean, if, if you pitch Kumar and little in game two, game three falls to Riley. Presley. Oh, Riley. Why did I say Presley? That was Presley. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if Vandy can win that. Bednar uh, against Riley. I don't think they do. I, I think that if game two rolls around and Mississippi State wins game one, game two comes and Mississippi State's up like eight to nothing in like the eighth inning, I think Corbin rolls out Kumar just to pitch the last two innings to put a cap on his career. Do we think Tracy Rocker is going to be jumping up and down in the stands because of that? <laughs> I think he'd be pissed the hell off. Um, uh, I don't. I don't picture Al Leiter uh, giving fist bumps to his daughter if if Mississippi State wins Game One either. But I'm sure they'll show it on TV. Yeah, I just had to go take a look at Vanderbilt's roster. But do they even have a, like a Presley on their team? Like last name? No, they don't. I don't know. I was thinking of Patrick Riley, but I'm just stupid. Um, um, we kind of circled around it already, but CWS most outstanding player candidates are something that I always like to keep an eye on. But anything can happen in championship series, so it's hard to kind of nail anybody down where it's like if these guys step up, they could win it because if Rowdy Jordan hits three home runs in the next three games, he's going to probably win the trophy, even though he hasn't really done anything spectacular so far. Uh, I'll start with with. The guy I want to win is Landon Sims. That was uh, mentioned earlier. 6.3 innings pitch, three hits, one run, no walks, 11 strikeouts. He has one win and two saves, and Mississippi State has won three games. So he has contributed to every game so far, every win so far. Um, I think that if he can come in and, and notch two more saves or maybe one more save, one more win, any combination like that, maybe even two more wins, I think he can easily lock that down. But I think his biggest competition isn't Kumar Rocker; it's it's Will Bednar. Uh, but then after that, I would I would put Kumar after that. We don't we don't really have a clear cut like 
Yeah, I was going to say there's not kind really of one favorite guy going who's... into the the championship series. Yeah, I like, I always I, like I, to like when I'm picking games, like later on, like when we're halfway into the tournaments, like okay, if Texas goes to the national championship, who's going to be their most outstanding player? And there there's nobody. There was nobody competing for that. But on yeah. Mississippi State, you have the you have the pitchers. Not so much the batters on either team, Vandy or or Mississippi State. I was going to say, I think we're going to see a really low scoring uh, championship series. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to be boring, and I think the starting pitcher of Game Three will win the CWS Most Outstanding Player. I think you're right because I think the most likely matchup is Kumar versus Bednar. Yeah, and then whoever, whichever team wins, if Mississippi State wins, it'll be Bednar. If if Vanderbilt wins, it'll be Kumar. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the safe bet. But uh, like, I I've, think I think Sims um, is the biggest wild card in that whole the whole deal, though. Definitely I, with the, I would love to see Sims win it, which is like the amount of pitching that he's used out of that bullpen, and I think that cause how many decisions has Landon Sims factored into now? Just in the CWS, three. So they've won three it, games. Yeah, I I think he could if he factors into like, let I mean, it, I guess it would be like both Mississippi State wins if he's a factor in that decision. I think, I think he could steal it. Mm-hmm. It was it was very similar with Oregon State again in 2018 when when it was kind of like, okay, uh, Adley Rutschman is going to run away with this award, but then all of a sudden Kevin Abel comes in and, and gets two wins in, in the College World Series just the finals. So it was like, oh, is he going to compete for it? I think they did give it to Adley, so I think they try and give it to as many, like, you know, the bigger name. question is, who's the bigger name between Landon Sims and Will Bednar? Uh, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm looking at just, like, the last couple most outstanding player winners, and there's just so many of them are pitchers. I just wouldn't expect it to be a pitcher, because it's like a pitcher, if it's a starting pitcher, he's only going to throw two, maybe three times in the whole CWS. Mm. But a- Andrew Beckwith, who yeah. will not be disrespected on this podcast ever, huge fan, huge fan of the pod. Uh, I believe he got the final outs in the 2016 College World Series. So he was he was uh, somebody that was kind of used, used a little bit interestingly. That's another thing to think about is if, if Kumar does come in in relief and saves the game. Is he considered in that? Because yeah. if Vandy if Vandy wins in two games and Kumar doesn't start a game, but he comes in relief, who wins it for Vandy? Hmm. I think there's a lot of questions around. Oh, yeah, who is who will be the most outstanding player? I mean, it could be a guy like Carter Young. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean. A handful of guys in college baseball know who Carter Young is, but I mean, anything can happen. I think if, if Vandy wins, the CWS most outstanding player will be the uh, NCAA uh, testing committee. Huh. I mean, also, <laughs> just a joke, people don't come from one. One thing to touch on is the guy who won it in 2017, Alex Fiedo for Florida, didn't even throw in the championship series. Yeah. So I mean if let's say if Mississippi State wins in two games and Bednar doesn't throw, it can do we think Bednar wins it or do we think it's Landon Sims who's more likely to win it at that point? If you're, if you're telling me yeah, if you're telling me Bednar does pitch and Mississippi State wins in two, I think good chance we saw Sims pitch twice. 
So yeah, definitely. Should we move on to the mailbag? Yeah. Eli Wilson asks, how maroon is Omaha? And is this the craziest ticket prices you have ever seen since you guys have been going? We've already touched on the ticket prices. The answer is yes. And then Omaha is very maroon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the It seems like every time there's a big moment, the entire stadium turns into a maroon white chat, chant. And it, it just goes to show just how dominant the crowd is. I haven't really had a chance to fully soak it in because I've always been intentionally or not sitting on the Mississippi state side when I buy my tickets, but it was really evident when Tanner Leggett hit the walk-off single and the whole place, like just around me blew up. Definitely the loudest I've ever heard that place. And I'm still going to go to my grave saying that in 2018, when, when the Arkansas fans showed up in that place, especially the outfield, turned into a sea of red. That's still the most fans I've ever seen in that place. Mississippi State has two, maybe three games to change that, and they might challenge that. Yeah. But that was still the absolute most, like, dominant crowd I've ever seen. I would have said 2013 Mississippi State against UCLA. Game See, I don't, I don't really remember that one. I, uh, they, they were very, very loud. And they, they, I think they said they had thousands of fans who weren't even in the stadium. They were just outside the stadium, and mm-hmm. the, the cowbells were going. That's that's the way I think it's going to be this year. Is there's going to be twenty thousand Mississippi State fans in Omaha? How many of them are going to pay four hundred dollars to get in the stadium? <laughs> yeah, uh, n- not as many. But I think that when you walk around the the areas where you're allowed to drink all day, uh, those are going to be some Mississippi State fans, and yeah. they'll let you know that they're there. I mean, we, you and me were went past the uh, hotel after they won on Tuesday, and there was probably 100, 200 people just standing outside their hotel waiting for the bus to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carson Clark asks, the resiliency of Mississippi State this year is insane. Any team in recent memory with the grit that this team has? Um, yeah. I got a Noah and I were talking earlier. I tentatively have an answer, but if I you have an answer. It's first. not a college team, though. Oh my! It's the, the twenty say, like, the twenty fifteen Royals. Okay. Oh man, yeah. Give me a break, Mitch. <laughs> but, I mean, the the stupid stat for that team is I think it was they only had one, maybe two guys who hit three hundred all year, but in clutch situations they had six guys on the team who hit three hundred. Yeah. As far as college teams, uh, I know I was telling asking Noah about this. Coastal Carolina comes to mind. I'm trying to think of champions that came out of the losers bracket. Yeah, I know Oregon State did in yep. whatever year. Uh, then South Carolina did one of the times they won it. South Carolina, you, you yeah. guys weren't. I, I I'm actually going to go with South Carolina. Though that team couldn't be beat. Will Bednar is Michael Roth apparently. Although Michael <laughs> Roth was unhittable for four years, not two games. But, um, I, yeah, I'm going to go with, like, 2010 South Carolina. That's a good one. Yep. Thank like you, Mitch. One. I like that. <laughs> and then lastly, J.B. Shank asks, uh, not really a question, but just a, sort of a talking point. The disappointment of Tennessee would be interesting. I mean, I think it's disappointing for Tennessee to go – O2 barbecue, but at the same time, where that program was 10 years ago, even five years ago, maybe even three, to where it is now, 
I don't think they have anything to really hang their heads on. It was one of those things where you would have liked to see Tennessee win a game here. I actually thought that they were going to go one and two, which still probably wouldn't have been that much better. But I thought that they were going to win a game here for sure. But, uh, yeah, one of those things where I think if you ask Tennessee fans, you go 0-2 in Omaha, but you keep Tony Vitello, I think they'll take that gladly. Yeah, I agree. But it stuck out to me when I was listening to another podcast that, or I guess it was just like a radio show that Noah J. Robinson, credit him, sent myself and Reggie, uh, where, where Vitello was on there, and he was talking about how game one, he wasn't necessarily disappointed that they lost or, or that they maybe didn't play their best. It was that they didn't play Tennessee baseball. And I think that that stood out a little bit that even in game two, they went out and they were they were more like themselves. They were they were a little bit rowdy. They were they weren't afraid to get thrown out of the game. That that was the Tennessee brand that Tony Vitello is building, whether people like it or not. And I think the future of Tennessee is very bright. And I don't know if Tony Vitello was leaving LSU or leaving for LSU under any circumstance, but it might be better that they went 0 and 2 and left that sour taste in Tony Tony's mouth. And I think it'll certainly be something there that, you know, you know, come practice time next year, Tony's going to be like, you know, going to Omaha was great, but I'm not going there to go 0-2 again. Yep. I, uh, I actually agree with just about everything that you said, Noah. Thank you. I am a prophet. <laughs> I'm on the same boat. Have uh, we, have we done it again? Have we talked about everything there is to talk about? Actually, no, because oh Eli, Eli Hold the Dalton Wilson DM no. me. <laughs> Compare. I've actually started calling him EDW. So EDW. If, if you guys could roll with that. or Erectile or, dysfunction. <laughs> oh, okay. And the W is wiener. Uh, so, yeah, Eli Hold the Dalton Wilson uh, says, Compare what y'all remember about 2013 to now. Would be interested to hear that. Mitch touched on it. I don't really remember the crowd. Uh, I don't really remember either. Yeah, I don't I don't remember uh, 2013 I mean, that well. One thing team-wise, of... I remember that 2013 Mississippi State team relied a lot more on the long ball. Yeah, yeah Wes Ray, uh, Adam Frazier. Renfro. Yeah, those guys, yeah. they had No hits. idea Brandon Woodruff was on that team, but mm. I. this might sound crazy to say, but I think this Mississippi State team might be a more complete team. Yeah. Um, I, I I just popped in my head that Jonathan Holder was there, Landon Sims. So they they had another guy just like him coming out of the bullpen where he's nails. So I would say there are pieces that are similar, whereas pieces that are very different. Like you don't expect Rowdy Jordan to hit the ball like Wes Ray did, where oh we want Rowdy Jordan up with the bases loaded. You don't necessarily want that. You would you know you would rather have a Tanner Allen type up, but. Rod Jordan's one of those guys he's going to play small ball with you and set up the rest of the order. They don't really have anybody where it's like, we need a home run when we have a lot of options. Whereas that 2013 team loved the long ball, which was weird that they found some success in Omaha because not a lot of teams who rely on the wrong, long ball do. But it was another team where there was some, some pitching depth. Yeah. And they did get swept in the national championship by – UCLA, who went undefeated in the postseason. Uh, I don't think Vanderbilt is is UCLA. That UCLA team was kind of built in a time that was perfect for them. It was a time where if you got to Omaha and you just had 
really good pitching, good defense, and you could play small ball. It worked really well for you. Whereas I think in recent years, between this year and 2019, we've seen the ball travel a lot more in TD Ameritrade than I can really remember. I know in 2019, they set the record for the most uh, home runs in a College World Series at the new ballpark. I don't know what we're at this year, but I just feel like I'm seeing a lot more home runs than I really remember seeing from three, four, five years ago. And I think that that's something that really benefited that UCLA team. And also, I think Mississippi State this year has, I don't know if I want to say a better matchup because you're still facing against Jack Ladder and Kumar Rocker, but I think it's just a, with the, the new ball they've implemented, I think it's something that just kind of fits the average baseball team that makes it to Omaha rather than the ones that are more defensively driven. Now we've done it. We've done it again. Every, every time every we talk week. about, every we week literally do it every week. We didn't leave. We didn't leave a topic uncovered. We talked about literally everything. Um, I guess one thing: or will we be doing podcasts at all during the off season? Or yeah, that's think, a very powerful question. Yeah, that's a really powerful question, Mitch. Uh, <laughs> obviously, there's not going to be new content pumping out, but yeah, I think we could just. An interview and, here or there, yeah, I think. Try and get be, a couple of guests would be great. The question is when yeah, when 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 will we be getting fired up again? You know, when the regular season rolls around. Uh obviously there's a little bit of a difference between the content rolling in in June versus the quote same content in February. People even even those of us who quote cover the sport for a living, even though if I'm making a living off of this, I'm living in a cardboard box um, maybe aren't as ready to jump on it and, and, and dedicate their lives to it as much in February as they are in June, but we'll see, we'll see what the future looks like in terms of covering weekly events. Obviously you look at guys like the 11.7 podcast who do a great job. We would love to be on that level. We'll see. You're, you're also listening to me before I have a, any idea what I'm going to be doing in a week when it's time for me to become an adult uh, <laughs> as I have a college degree and as much as I enjoy using it to steal the home computer in my house and move it downstairs and record these, we'll see what the future of, of the content looks like as a whole when I have to manage a, quote, adult job. Well, now we've done it. It's 1.38 in the morning. We've covered it all. 1.38 in the morning, just in time to announce that NC State is canceled. <laughs> Have a good rest yep. of your uh, day from whenever you're listening to this, and good Goodbye, luck to the championship series. But Lynn Hale State on this one. Mississippi State fans, feel free to feed us. Buy us beer. Let us come to your tailgates. Just tell us where we can play pin the tail on the Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening.